What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the second episode of Season 3. Today, we're talking about our top 10 most underrated players in fantasy football. This includes guys like Alan Lazard, Jalen Hurts, Cortland Sutton, and why we believe people are overlooking them this year. Joining me today to break this all down is a man who is a former play-by-play announcer turned fantasy football <laughs> superstar. He has been with the NFL Network for more than a decade and is one of the funniest people in the fantasy football industry. With over 99,000 followers, he is NFL's Marcus Grant. Welcome to the show. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was uh, I was over 100K, and I don't I don't really care about follower counts. Like I half the time I don't even want to be on Twitter. But like I was over 100K, and then the season ends, and you realize that you you sort of lose that. Like you know when when the season goes away, sometimes people kind of unfollow you because they don't really care yeah. about fantasy. And I get that. Um, I guess I generally don't care about follower counts, but there was a little bit of me that was like I was over 100K, and then I dropped back down, and I was like. <gasps> Oh, so, <laughs> so I feel that though because once you hit triple digits, though, I can imagine like there's no worse thing than going under, and you're like, okay, when am I going to get back up there? It's it's like you know, it's like a guy who rushes for a hundred yards, right? Yes. you're at one on one, and you get tackled in the backfield, and you're like, ah, right? sort of exactly, thing. exactly. No, I I totally, and I found the same thing on on TikTok where I went down like a thousand followers after the season, and I was posting a couple of videos of people like, why are you posting? It's like the Super Bowl just ended, <laughs> but I, I get you. I mean, it's tough to see it go down, but you know, it's hopefully going to just rise It'll higher next season, right? But, exactly. Hey, here's the triple digits though that you've been there because I remember that you were at a hundred k, and I remember I looked and I was like, wait. I can't yeah. say that he's at over 100K anymore. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I was like, I admittedly, like, I was like barely over. Like, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, I wasn't like 110. I was like barely no. over. And then the season ends and you get, you know, you always have those people that that kind of check out for the, the off season. Yep. And I get it. It's cool. But uh, yeah, hopefully once we get back to July and August, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get that boost back. My my ego can get uh, refreshed a little bit. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially come mid-July when, when, the, when the views start going up and everything, mm-hmm. people start, you know, looking at your takes a little bit more. Exactly. A lot, a lot better. But with that being said, is it going to get a lot, a lot better for Alan Lazard? You know, now that Devontae Adams is gone, that is the first player you have on your list. He's someone that I've been very divided on, but it seems like you are buying Alan Lazard. Why is that? Well, I am. I mean, at least I'm buying him at at where his current ADP sure. is right now, right? Like, I, I think when I checked, he was in the double digits. Um, and I, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Alan Lazard's going to be some, you know, bona fide wide receiver one. But we're talking about a team that has lost about 220 targets. I mean, when you look at just Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that's about 220 targets that are gone. Uh, and at this moment, as you and I sit here and talk on April 18th, Really, who's his competition for targets? It's, what, Sammy Watkins, who hasn't been relevant in years? Uh, Randall Cobb, sort of the same thing. I mean, I don't I don't think that Robert Tunyon is going to suddenly absorb all these targets. And even if the Packers go out and draft a wide receiver in the first round, which, look, when you, you factor in the Green Bay history of these sort of things, uh, there's no guarantee that they do that. Um, but even if they do, I don't think you're going to see one of these guys come in and you know have a Jamar Chase-like season where they're just hoovering up all these targets. So I think just on volume alone, Alan Lazard deserves to kind of be bumped up a little bit higher than where he is. I think you factor in also that 
he's got a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And that's that's the thing we have seen over Rodgers' career is that when he finds a guy he can trust, he will go to him a lot. And, you know, without Devontae Adams there as that safety blanket, I think you're going to see, especially early in the season, Alan Lazard get a lot of those looks. So, uh, again, look, I, I don't I don't think he's more than, you know, I think at best he's probably a low-end wide receiver too. Um, but I think I think he deserves to be drafted a little bit higher than where he's going right now. And, and maybe once we start to get to the summer uh, and we get past the draft and that sort of thing, maybe – uh, the consensus starts to catch up a little bit, but I was just very surprised to see how low his ADP is right now. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is that you don't have to love Alan Lazard, but when you look at what his cost is, I mean, when you can get a guy in the double-digit rounds, like you said, that might get triple-digit targets, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. I think that's something that I'd be hammering all day just because the potential volume, and then it's not only just volume, it's volume coming from, you know, one of the best throwers of the ball in the NFL you know, I'm definitely in on that, and I love that. Um, I really, really love that pick. Another guy that I love that, admittedly, Marcus, I was so far out on. It's not even funny. He's probably one of the players that I, I never would have drafted in like the 30th round of a draft last year. <laughs> but it, it's Kadarius Tony for me. And the biggest stat I saw that was just unbelievable to me is that since 2011, there have been 13 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds to average over 2.00 yards per route run in their rookie year. 11 out of 12 not named Kadarius Tony have hit a top 12 season. That's 92% of those players that hit that had a top 12 season. He also last year was seventh among target rate for every route he ran, how often he was targeted, only six players ahead of him, third among all rookies in yards after the catch. He showed that insane potential against the Cowboys, you know, catching 10 passes for 189 yards. And he left the game early. Like, he didn't even finish that game. Obviously, I'm concerned about the quarterback play. I'm concerned about Daniel Jones. I'm concerned about the injuries. But it's another one of those guys that, like, I mean, that that list is pretty crazy that 11 of those 12 players that have done it were all top 12 receivers at some point. The only one for people that are wondering was Devin Funchess didn't hit it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, anytime Devin Funchess on the same list, it's a little scary. But I think that's pretty elite company to be in. Where are your thoughts on Kadarius Tony at this point? I think I think the argument in favor of Kadarius Tony is I mean just look at the Giants pass catching group as a whole. Um I mean they've got a bunch of like kind of nice pieces but nobody that really blows you away. I, look I I will say I don't think Kenny Galladay can be worse than he was last year, right? Great. Like I don't I don't think it can get it cuz you and I caught the same number of touchdowns as as Kenny Galladay in in 2021. So I don't think it gets any worse, but what we saw out of how they used Tony last year, I think, sort of gives you a glimpse into what he yeah. can be. They just they just want to put the football in his hands. Let him get in space. Let him be athletic. Now, for him, he's got to stay healthy. He's kind of got to get his head right, too. I know there were some 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 things just kind of, you know, okay. attitude-wise and behavior-wise that they, they weren't really thrilled with. So if he can kind of get that part right, stay healthy, I do think there's a chance for him to, to kind of – to to take a step forward because the giants are looking for playmakers. I mean, you mentioned Daniel Jones and, and the team trying to figure out what he is at this point in his career. Um, the wide receiver group, like I said, is it's fine. I mean, you got Galladay and I think Sterling Shepard's a, a nice receiver. Um, but I think they're looking for that guy who can be the playmaker. I mean, look, we were at some point where there were rumors. I don't know how serious they were, but rumors about them trading Saquon Barkley. Right. So that sort of tells you that they're not a hundred percent on Saquon even being a future uh, for this franchise going forward. So I, I like the potential. And again, like we said with Alan Lazard, you're talking about a guy who's got, what, an 11th, 12th round ADP at this yep. point. The potential reward, 
I think far outweighs what risk you're putting out there in draft capital. So I think, again, this is a situation where the upside is worth it uh, because you're not spending a whole lot to add him to the roster. Yep, and these are the perfect kind of dart flows that you're looking for in the late rounds. And now it begs the question almost of who who would you rather have? Because I think, you know, Tony's more electric and he's shown us a little bit more, but I'd probably, you know, bank on the QB play of Alan Lazard right. more than anything and know that they'll actually get him the ball because if Daniel Jones is just bad this year and they put in, you know, Tyrod Taylor, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not too confident in Kadarius Tony. I mean, I know that, you know, he had a great season with Sammy Watkins one year, but that was, you know, that was half a decade ago. I was in high school, you know, the last time that, <laughs> that happened. So, you know, that is what it is. But another guy that, Marcus, it makes me really happy to see some certain guys on your list because mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite players in Dynasty that I have some shares of. That's Rashad Penny. I mean, he had a monster season to close out last year. The last few games, he looked like the first round talent we've been expecting him to be, also since I was in high school, and he finally showed it. So, do you think that Rashad Penny can sustain it with Chris Carson coming back? I know they said that neck is healed. He's supposed to be a full participant, but what do you think this backfield looks like come week one? I, yeah, I think I think this is Rashad Penny's backfield. Uh, you know, I I know that the Seahawks are trying to be optimistic about Chris Carson's neck injury, and I look, I wish the best for him. I've I've enjoyed watching Chris Carson. Yeah. I feel like he's been. He's been one of those underrated running backs for the last few years. He's that guy that falls to like the second or third round and then like the season's over and he's like a top 10 running back. But, you know, I, I think I think that time has passed. I think they're passing the torch to Rashad Penny because of what we saw last year. Yeah. I'll say this. Whenever somebody has a really big finish to the season, I always have to take a step back and I'm like, OK, is this real? Is this a mirage? Was this a situation of a guy? You know, did he take advantage, for, for, for instance, of the schedule? Did he suddenly get a lot of volume because a guy was hurt? Who's going to come back next year? But I do think what you said is accurate, that this is a guy who blew everybody away, especially with his speed coming out of San Diego State. The issue for him has been not being able to stay healthy. So hopefully, again, like like Kadarius Tony, if he can stay healthy, we know Pete Carroll wants to establish the run. That is a thing that there are there are knowns and there are unknowns. A thing that is known about Pete Carroll and the Seahawks is that they want to run the football. And I think especially when you're talking about Drew Locke as their starting quarterback this year, they're not going to give him free reign. Like there will be no hashtag saying, you know, let Drew cook, right? It's not going to be like Russell Wilson when he was there in Seattle. They're going to run on, they're going to lean on the run. So I think, I think what we saw last year was, was very encouraging. Uh, Penny was incredibly explosive. You talk about, you know, runs uh, of 10 yards or more. I think he had like 16%, which among running backs was top three or four. I think, I think, you know, the only guys who might've been better than him were say like a Nick Chubb, uh, and there may be one other that I'm I'm blanking on right now, but you know he was way up there in that his his you know speed scores. When you talk about next gen stats and and his oh his goodness. top speed of over like 15 miles an hour, he was consistent on those sorts of things. So I know it was a smaller smaller sample size. I mean he had like 120 carries, something like that. Yep. Um, but I think those glimpses kind of gave us an idea of what he can be. Uh, so again, the, the only concerns for me, one health two, the Seahawks might be bad, so they may not be able to run the football as much. Uh, but I do think what, what you get out of him, I think will be potentially great, especially because uh, nobody's drafting him as a top 10 running back right now. Yep, exactly. And if I have to ask, because I think there's a lot of positives here, but there's also a lot of risk, you know, as we know, and that's, you know, the world we play in in fantasy football, but how high in drafts, you know, and say a 12 team league right now, would you be willing to take Penny? Uh, I, I see him. I, I think right now he's a sixth round pick. Yeah. 
I think that's about right. I mean, look, I would reach maybe the, a round earlier. I'd go yeah. in the fifth round, something like that. Um, I think I think a lot of it will depend on what your draft strategy is going in. Um, yeah. The last couple of years, I have been about, you know, maybe I grab a, a top-level running back early, but then I want to try to get wide receiver and tight end sort of locked up uh, in those first three or four rounds. So if that's the case, you know, if, if you can get one good elite running back early, you can get a couple of wide receivers after that, then I think I'm okay with getting him in the fifth or sixth round, knowing that I've got at least a foundation somewhere on my roster. Yep. I like that. And I think that, I think the thing is it's so much more, you know, than ADP. I think it's more like you said, it's all about roster construction. And I think Penny is the perfect, you know, running back two to a, you know, you get your anchor running back, you get a couple good receivers or a tight end. And then Penny's that guy that has super high ups, like league winning upside that you can get as that running back too. So I think in the right roster construction, I agree. I think that he's definitely a fifth or sixth round pick, but if you don't have the right roster construction and you know, you're relying on him as like your running back one, I think I'd be a little bit more wary, but another guy, that with that that uh, marcus maybe, maybe you have to talk me out of this because there's been a couple there's been a bit of twitter hype you know going on this week with this player and i was a little bit like okay i'm i'm not sure about this hype here and i looked into it and i was like wow okay there's there's something interesting here and that's cole Komet. so last year he had 94 targets and no touchdowns i think that's bound to improve but what's important is i think the bears lost their third fourth and fifth target leaders. Cole Komet was second on this team in targets. They lost their third, fourth, and fifth leaders in targets. Over 144 vacated targets just from those three guys alone. And last year at the tight end position, Cole Komet was eighth in targets, ninth in air yards, 11th in target share. And I know that he didn't have a touchdown, but it's not like they were allergic to throwing to him in the red zone. He had a 19.7 red zone target rate. That's that's really really good. And that's exactly what you want from a tight end. I know the tight end numbers were weren't there, you know, with touchdowns, you know, similar to someone like a la Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying he's Kyle Pitts, but I think the numbers last year were very encouraging. There's not a lot of competition outside of Darnell Mooney, and maybe Cole Komet isn't it, but he's still just 22 years old. It seems like he had a solid connection with Justin Fields. I mean, getting 94 targets last year. But do you think that he's worth a late round dart throw or is this the case, the curious case of like, OK, this guy hasn't broken out. I get it. He has a good athletic profile, but like, no, thank you. I think he is. I think if I'm if I if I'm in a dynasty league, and I'm stashing him. I think I feel better about it than maybe in a redraft league. And I I was big on Cole Komet two seasons ago, right? Near yeah. the end of the 2020 season. I kept saying, this is a guy you want to pick up off the waiver wire, right? Because everything about him, all the all the metrics seemed really great. I mean, just in terms of, you know, the target share and, and, and how much he was on the field and routes run and all that kind of stuff, it all felt great. Everything was great except for the fact that Jimmy Graham kept catching touchdowns. And it was like, this is, it was, it was driving me mad, right? Like I would go on our podcast, I would go on Fantasy Live, like every week it felt like, and I was trying to preach the gospel of Cole Komet and then Jimmy Graham would catch a touchdown and I'd look like an ass. And so like, I was just trying to, so I, I still think, I, I still think he is a good talented player who I think could have some opportunity. What I worry about now is just kind of the bears offense as a whole. They've got Justin Fields, who I like, they've got David Montgomery, they've got Darnell Mooney, and that's kind of it. Um, yeah. And so I sort of worry about what this offense is going to be. They've got a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. There are so many unknowns that I think, I, I don't know that I would, like I said, I don't know that I would draft him in a redraft league. I would, you know, if I have him in a dynasty, I maybe hold on to him, stash him, wait a few weeks and kind of see what this Bears offense is going to be. Uh, but I, I feel like, because I feel like in a lot of redraft leagues, 
even if you don't take him, he's he's going to hang around on the waiver wire for a while. Yeah. So I think that sort of gives you a little bit of leeway to go on, wait and see how this offense develops. And then if it looks like it can be something, you can go pick up Cole Komet because I don't I don't imagine there's going to be a lot of fist fights for him uh, off the waiver wire those first few weeks of the season. Yeah, you would hope not. And and maybe I'm just getting, you know, caught up in the hype of the last week or so. It happens. I, I get someone it. That's that's interesting. And, you know, when we were talking before the show that sometimes, you know, before before the draft starts, you start to, you know, have these crazy thoughts about players. And again, they could add a first round or second. So they don't have a first round pick, I don't think. But they could add an early wide receiver. And then, you know, all this about Cole Komet goes away. But I think the fact that he had 94 targets is pretty interesting last year. That's a lot more than I realized. And I think that with the third, fourth and fifth guy gone, you know, it's not out of the out of the realm of possibility that you could get a very late round tight end with over a hundred targets. You know, I'm willing to bet on it, but you know, he could also be, you know, a la Ellen, Evan Ingram the last couple of years where, you know, he might get the targets, but he's just never going to score because the offense is so terrible. That's probably a fair comparison. So same, who knows? Name, Evan Ing- same name, Evan Ingram makes me just sad. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's going to make me sad and he's going to be the guy that, you know, we get wrong every year because it fits that same profile, but sticking with former bears, of you know players that didn't succeed in this offense last year and may have more success this year. How about Allen Robinson? He's a guy I've been talking up a lot lately. I'm excited for you to kind of take the reins here and talk about him. Allen Robinson for the Rams. You know what are you thinking about him for the season? I'm well. One first off, I'm just happy for Allen Robinson because 100%. I I have been saying for years, and I'm I know I'm not the only one. Like I just wanted him to have a good quarterback for once. Uh, I thought I thought maybe last year it was going to happen with Justin Fields, and then inexplicably they just didn't really throw him the football. Um, you know, I know he was sort of banged up at times, but they just didn't get him the ball, and I didn't understand it. And I know he was unhappy, and that's why he is in Los Angeles. And now he's got a bona fide, legit quarterback in Matthew Stafford there. And you know, I'm not going to compare him to Robert Woods because they're they're different players, but obviously he slots in to that number two wide receiver situation there in Los Angeles. We know Cooper Cup is going to be Cooper Cup, right? He's going to do all those things we've seen the last couple of years. But uh, we're not really sure when Odell Beckham is coming back. Um, As much as I love Van Jefferson, I I am a self-proclaimed Van Stan. Um, He kind of goes back to being the third wide receiver in this offense because you've got Allen Robinson. So there are going to be plenty of targets there. It's it's a really good offense with a really good defense behind it as well. So this is a team that I think is set up to prosper and be successful again. And so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Robinson get, you know, 90, maybe even 100 targets this year. I think he gets over 1,000 yards. I think you're talking about, you know, six to eight touchdowns. I mean, I think he goes back to sort of being one of those prolific, uh, productive, consistent fantasy receivers that we wanted him to be the last couple of years, and it just never materialized in Chicago. I feel like he's sort of uh, a victim of what's happened the last couple of years. I see some of the guys going ahead of him right now, right? Like, like I, I get Darnell Mooney is exciting. Uh, you know, I like Mike Williams, but you know, he's been inconsistent chase Claypool. I don't know about right now with Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback Hunter Renfro, I think, uh, gets dinged because Devonte Adams is now there in, in Las Vegas. So there are a handful of guys that are going ahead of Robinson that I don't think will be as productive. So, you know, again, if, if people want to keep leaving him there in the seventh round, like I'm all for it, I'll gladly take the discount, but I'm expecting bigger things from him this year. Yeah, I'm expecting huge things. I mean, people forget that in 2019 and 2020, he was a top 10 wide receiver. You know, last year, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup doing Cooper Cup things, 
for the first 10 weeks, they were both on pace to be wide receiver ones, not just Cup. Woods was also on pace to be a wide receiver one. And I actually think Allen Robinson is an even better player you know, than Robert Woods. I know Allen Robinson didn't have a great season last year, and maybe he's just lost it. But I think he's going to have a revitalization this year. I mean, he was one of the greatest separators we've seen in the last five years, at least according to Matt Harmon's reception perception. He was always among the top guys in beating man and zone and press every single year. And again, this guy is one year removed from being a top 10 wide receiver, two years in a row with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. And now you saw what Allen, sorry, what you saw what Matthew Stafford, you know, did with those guys last year. I mean, Allen Robinson has never had a good quarterback in the NFL, and Christian Hackenberg was his college, was his <laughs> yes. college QB. I mean, this is the greatest QB that he's probably had. I don't know who he had in high school. I say, that's, but, that's what I want. I want somebody to go back. Like, can somebody find out who Allen Robinson's high school quarterback was? Like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, he probably had some, like, like I don't know who was his. I mean, it was Marcus Mariota was probably his middle school quarterback. <laughs> probably the last time or something crazy like that. But you get what I'm saying? That this will be the probably the first time he's had a really great quarterback. And I'm excited to see what he can do with that. But going to running backs. I know I'm an abrupt shift here. Leonard Fournette is a guy that I'm so excited about this year, and I think that he's a lot more underrated than people realize. And the biggest thing that I'd start with is, did anyone know that Leonard Fournette was the running back three in points per game last year behind only Eckler and Jonathan Taylor? The running back three. Everyone knows Lombardi Lenny was great. Everyone knows that he was awesome for the Bucks offense, but he was the running back three in points per game, above Najee Harris, above Joe Mixon, above all these other players. And Leonard Fournette last year was 12th in snap share, but he was seven. Seventh in weighted opportunities despite missing three games. Weighted opportunities are carries plus targets, and targets are weighted more because in PPR, a target is worth more than a carry. But Leonard Fournette was an amazing pass catcher last year. He was tied for first in the NFL with DeAndre Swift in targets per game. He was seventh among all running backs in target share. He ran the fourth most routes among all running backs. And this guy's already had three top 10 finishes at running back in five seasons. And the other thing that, Marcus, you know as well as I do, that these injuries last year were awful for running backs. And Leonard Fournette has played at least 80% plus of his games in four of his five seasons. I mean, why wouldn't you want to draft this guy all day at the end of the first round, early second round, with third in points per game? He's healthy every year. He's playing on this really great Bucks offense, and hopefully Gronk will come back and help keep continue to open up things for Leonard Fournette. But he's a guy I cannot stop buying. Am I crazy? Is he maybe a little bit too old, or is Leonard Fournette just at the right price to keep buying? No, I don't. I don't understand why right now. I think he's the RB twenty. I don't. Yeah. I'm like I, 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 as you were talking, and I, I've done this before. I, I keep googling. I'm like, did I miss something? Is, is there something like Ronald Jones isn't there anymore? And look, I, I like Ronald Jones. I think I like Ronald Jones more than most people. But Ronald Jones is in Kansas City now. Um, I don't know if it's that the if the Tyler Johnson hive has migrated to Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't understand why why Leonard Fournette is sort of getting disrespected in drafts right now, right? I mean, uh, you look at him, he's what he's 26. I think he'll be 20, actually he's 27, I believe, right now. Um, so it's not like he's really old. Uh, you know, he did have that one year where he missed half the year because of an injury in Jacksonville. I mean, he hasn't had a ton of work. There's still a lot of tread on the tire. And for all intents and purposes, this is kind of the same offense he was in last year, right? Tom Brady comes back. And I know Chris Godwin is still sort of working his way back from injury, but Godwin will be back this year. Uh, Mike Evans is going to be there this year. They added Russell Gage, who I think really helps their wide receiver group quite a bit. 
Um, I, I don't, I just don't understand why, why people have, have, have gone away from this to me. This isn't like Cordero Patterson, right? Cordero Patterson had a phenomenal season last year, but I think everybody looks at that and it's like, yeah, that felt like lightning in a bottle, right? Like I understand why CPAT's ADP is where it is because I don't think anybody, myself included, believes he can duplicate what he did last year. And I think we saw him even fade down the stretch. I don't see why Leonard Fournette can't continue being productive the way he is. And so I, I can't wrap my head around why he has fallen in ADP. I mean, he's he's behind a Damian. He's behind Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, riddle me that, Batman. Like, I don't understand that one at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Again, this is another one where if the discount remains, I don't think it will, but if the discount remains, I will take it and say thank you. Uh, I just don't understand it. One of the crazy arguments I saw on, I think it was a TikTok comment like last week. I, I made a video about Leonard Fournette, and someone was like, "Well, Gio Bernard was hurt, and that's why he was on the field so much." Like, Gio, Gio Bernard played twelve games, and they missed some of the same games. Man, like, they played together most of the season. And I was one of the people that wasn't buying Leonard Fournette. I was a Ronald Jones guy. You know, if if anything of those three coming into last year, because I figured, you know, Ronald Jones was great. They bring in one of the you know better third down specialist of the last few years. How on earth is Leonard Fournette going to break down? And then Jason Light himself said after they re-signed Leonard Fournette, he's one of the rare three down backs that you can sign in this game after they just re-signed him. We saw what he did last year. I don't think his role is going to change. It's not like he just turned 30. Like you said, he's 26, 27 people. I mean, it's just beyond crazy to me. But again, I will continue to buy the discount. Marcus, we, uh, we haven't met before today. But we are definitely becoming really great friends here after I saw this list of picks that you have. Because another guy that I continuously keep beating the drum for is Cortland Sutton. I've talked about him a lot. I like him more than Jerry Judy. I don't know if you feel the same, but I think that he is destined to cook this year with Russell Wilson. Cortland Sutton, Marcus, please tell us why we all need to be going after him. So first off, I think... I think Russell Wilson being in Denver raises everybody's value a little bit. Like I think that includes Jerry yeah. Judy. I, I, you, you talk about like tight end dart throws. I sort of like Albert Okuyabunam too. I like Albert O late in drafts, uh, especially with Noah Fant not there anymore. But Cortland Sutton, I think, is the guy because he he is that field stretcher for this offense. He's the deep threat, and, and you know, of all the things Russell Wilson does really well, one of the things is he throws a great deep ball. Um, and so if he can get the ball down the field to Cortland Sutton, uh, I think they're just big plays ready to happen all the time there. And so, um, the one thing I think a lot of us kept saying the last couple of years is that this Broncos offense felt like it was a quarterback away. And obviously Drew Locke wasn't the answer, uh, as much as I like Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's, he's a stopgap quarterback, right? Like he's not the guy that's going to take your team to the next level. Russell Wilson can be that guy. And so I, I, I think Judy takes a step forward. Uh, but I also think that uh, you know, Cortland Sutton is the guy who really benefits is the guy who gets deep down the field. I think you know, it's funny. I think he's somewhere. He's kind of a hybrid of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, right? Ooh. He's he's not as big as Metcalf. Uh, you know, he's not like DK Metcalf is an actual real life superhero, right? Like you see this guy, you see the way he's built, you see the way he runs. He's like an actual Avenger. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett, you know, obviously a smaller guy who, who works well in space. Sutton's kind of in between the two of them there. And I think he's going to really prosper. Side note to this, maybe it's also because 
Jerry Judy made me feel old. I met him at the Super Bowl and I asked him if he was excited about Super Bowl halftime. And first off, he didn't know who was performing at Super Bowl halftime. Uh, and then wow. when I told him it was like Snoop and Dre and Eminem, uh, he told me that those guys were before his time and he might not know any of those songs. And then I, I felt like I felt like that Matt Damon gif where he just turns old all of a sudden. Like that's that's how I felt. Oh, no, <laughs> that's crazy. I was excited for that. I know a lot of people were. Yeah, I definitely do not feel old. I think that is a Jerry Judy problem. He's too focused <laughs> on being in the NFL and catching passes from Russell Wilson. We will attribute it to that. But Corwin Sutton, I think one of the craziest things, my favorite argument of this is that I don't know if you knew this, Marcus, but. DK Metcalf and Cortland Sutton last year had nearly identical air yards. You wow. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're like near, I think they're within 50 air yards of each other. And DK Metcalf was a wide receiver one, and Cortland Sutton was outside the top 40. And Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater were really not that great. So I think that shows a lot right there. I'm not saying that, oh, automatically they're gonna flip roles and Cortland Sutton's gonna be wide receiver one. I'm not saying that. But I think, like you said, that he is a really good player. And I think that you can see just by the air yards alone how much that Russell Wilson is going to elevate his game. And I think that last I checked, Corwin Sutton was going in like the late 20s for wide receivers. Mm -hmm. When he could literally be a wide receiver one this year, I think that maybe he could be a little bit more boom or bust a little bit with Russell Wilson because he's more of the deep threat, where Jerry Judy's more of the small to intermediate threat. But I think Corwin Sutton is absolutely a value right now and a guy that I am absolutely loving, in addition to a guy that I'm absolutely loving once again in fantasy football this year, and that's Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts was my favorite quarterback to draft last year. He was one of my three my guys, and he's a guy that I'm going to continue to buy again. I mean, people forget that Jalen Hurts was the QB1 overall in fantasy in weeks 1 through 11 before having a highly sprained ankle in week 12. He was the QB8 for the season, QB7 in points per game. But people act like, okay, well, you know, like Alex, Zach Ertz is gone, you know, so like He's not going to be the same guy that he was last year. Well, Zach Ertz had 31 targets. I mean, the target leaders last year were, I mean, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Quez Watkins was third in targets with 69, <laughs> and Jalen Rager was fourth in targets with 60. It can't get any worse. The worst that they lost was 31 targets for Zach Ertz. The Eagles have two first-round picks. It doesn't mean that they're automatically going to take a wide receiver for the third year in a row, you know, and they have not drafted very well at wide receiver. But I think that it's very interesting to see what they can do, you know, with Jalen Hurts. And I know that part of his touchdowns and stuff like that is probably going to regress slightly. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the same guy that he was last year, where he's going to be, you know, borderline leading the league in QB1 performances, where he just finds his way to 20 points every week by, you know, lots of garbage time, a not so great <laughs> defense. But again, Jalen Hurts is just one of those guys. It's not a sexy pick, but it's a pick that I'm going to continue to make because late in your drafts when you can get a guy like that in the double-digit rounds where he's probably Walmart, Trey Lance, that's something that I'm <laughs> definitely willing to invest in. Are you feeling the same way about Jalen Hurts or are you I'm, all away from the NFC East? I love, I love Walmart, Trey Lance. I think that's great. Um, yeah, the thing about the thing about Jalen Hurts, and you, know, you sort of hit on it, and we talked about it a lot last year on our pod, is that like it didn't matter what. He was going to find his way into 20 fantasy points, it felt like. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think there was at least one week where he went into the fourth quarter with like eight <laughs> or something. And then like when the day was over, he was at like 22 or so. Yeah. It was just like it was it was mind boggling. The one thing I want from him is I, I do want to see him become more consistent as a passer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I he was last year. He was definitely the epitome of, of Rich Rebar's classic Konami code, and that helped him a lot. Um, 
I think at some point defenses are going to sort start to to clue into that, and so he's going to have to get a little more efficient throwing the football. I, you know, I think he can do that. We've seen guys get better. I mean, Josh Allen might be the best example of that, right? Everybody talked about his accuracy being so terrible. Now he's you know one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. The other thing I would like is I do want the Eagles to add some wide receiver help, and maybe not yep. necessarily in the draft. I've been saying for a while, and I still believe it. Um, Jarvis Landry would be a really good fit on this team. Perfect. Maybe not, maybe not from a fantasy standpoint, because I think we we sort of know what Jarvis Landry is. But that guy who can get open, who can be a security blanket for a young developing quarterback, uh, and a guy who can just be a veteran presence in that wide receiver room, because this is a pretty young group, right? I mean, you're talking about Quez Watkins and Devontae Smith. I mean, Jalen Rager still, I think Devontae Smith actually might be older than Jalen Rager, if I have that right. Um, so this is a young group still. So if they can bring in a Jarvis Landry, he can give them that veteran leadership. He can be that guy uh, that you can count on to kind of you know, keep the chains moving when you you need to and I think that helps Jalen Hurts uh in a big way my only concern is that a lot of people I think are going to like Jalen Hurts and that's going to push up the ADP so when you say Walmart Trey Lance it makes me laugh because I'm sort of targeting Trey Lance the way I targeted Jalen Hurts last year he's that guy that I will take later in a draft although I don't know I think everybody loves Trey Lance too so I may not be able to get him later in drafts this year but ideally my thought was if I take a quarterback sort of mid-round and then I can take Lance as my second quarterback. Uh, I think, unfortunately, you know, if if the Niners somehow move Jimmy Garoppolo or if they just make the announcement that Trey Lance is starting, uh, I think my hoped for discount on both of these guys is probably going to go away. Yeah, they're they're definitely my two favorite quarterbacks to draft right now. It depends on the site. You know, I know Trey Lance is going after Jalen Hurts, which is criminal, you know, in some just because they're unsure of who's going to be the QB one. I know there's a report yesterday that came out. Trey Lance himself said that, you know, all the indications he's got informally, you know, are that he'd be the QB one. But, you know, anything can happen with this 49ers team. I mean, Jimmy G has still been okay for them. But obviously, as fantasy football fans, we need some Trey Lance <laughs> on the field. But again, two guys that I'm going to draft. And again, those rush first guys. The only other thing I wanted to say. I hate to disagree with you here, but like I don't think that I can't think of anyone, and I might be completely wrong on this, but I can't think of a rushing quarterback like Jalen Hurts that consistently gets volume on the ground that teams have just like figured out. Like I thought they'd figure out Lamar Jackson from what he does each and every game. I thought they'd figure out Kyler Murray, what he does each and every game. You think they'd figure out Josh Allen, you know, and how to keep him in the pocket each and every game. But every year these guys find a way to get rushing numbers. Sometimes it's in garbage time. They always find a way to get theirs because they're talented as they are as rushers. And that is that with Jalen Hurts. But who knows? We'll see but I am someone I will continue to buy. Marcus, I will not lead it right in. I will let you reveal yourself this time. <laughs> your final top underrated player in fantasy football? All right, so I guess I got to set this up though, right? Because it's, <laughs> fantasy Twitter is amusing in so many ways. I mean, there's a lot of great people who are really smart, doing a lot of great work, but also just as a whole, it's amazing the, the conversations that we have. And I, I woke up, you know, a few weeks ago and as I tend to do, scroll Twitter like first thing in the morning, which is probably not great for my mental health. But, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. Um, but I wake up a few weeks ago and Twitter is on fire arguing about Amon Ross St. Brown. And I, I will tell you this. There's a weird thing. And people who live on the West Coast know this, right? Like on the West Coast, when you wake up and you check Twitter first thing in the morning, like 
the conversation has already been happening. I say it's it's sort of like if you wake up and your bed is in the middle of freeway rush hour traffic, right? Like you're just like, you're like what is happening here, right? And that was that was me. I woke up and there's like a raging argument happening about Amon Ross St. Brown. And so like then you're Googling and you're scrolling. You're trying to figure out, okay, what did I miss? What happened? I didn't miss anything. Just for whatever reason, he was the main character that day on fantasy Twitter. I think Amon Ra is going to be just fine. I I will also preface it by saying I am a noted USC homer. Uh, I am, you know, my student loan dollars are still going there, um, but I still want to see those guys do well. But I, I think more importantly, what we saw out of him from the midpoint of the season on sort of indicates what he can be in this offense. And from the moment he was drafted, um, you know, there was some talk and like, I, I will lean on my good friend and noted wide receiver guru, Matt Harmon here. Uh, you know, one of the things he said early on was that St. Brown could sort of be in Detroit for Jared Goff, what Cooper cup had been in Los Angeles. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown is going to be, you know, a triple crown winner. I'm not telling you he's going to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy or anything like that, but he can be that guy that gets open whenever they need him to that, that Goff is going to feel comfortable throwing the football to. And yes, I know there were some guys that were hurt. Um, but I still think that what we saw from St. Brown signals that he's going to be a guy that they trust in this passing game going forward. He's not necessarily a burner, but he's a, a big body guy with good, consistent hands that can make plays all over the field. That counts for a lot, right? Like I think we get hung up on 40 times and, and separation and, you know, you know, all these little things when you just watch a guy and you're like, this guy can play football. And I think that's where we are with Amon Ross St. Brown. And so uh, I'm sure the argument will continue to rage. And if the lions draft a wide receiver in the next you know couple of weeks uh, that we're going to have this whole argument all over again, but I just feel like he sort of proved himself. And I think he's a guy that, that we need to start, you know, as they say, put some respect on his name, because I think he's going to continue to be a productive option uh, across fantasy this year. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. One thing that I had in a, in a TikTok video a few weeks ago was a, a stat I saw. It was a PFF stat, but Marcus, there's been seven wide receivers drafted round three or later that had a 80-plus PFF receiving grade um, as a rookie, above 80. Seven players. You ready for this list? Okay. Antonio Brown, Doug Baldwin, hmm. Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a pretty good list. That's a good, good list. list. And I know that, you know, we live in, you know, a stats world where you can find, you know, a list, you know, if like some kind of list to fit in every player with a really great list. But I think that's a very, you know, pretty straight up list of just 80 plus receiving grade as a rookie for PFF. That's a really, really, really great list. I mean, we saw, you know, the potential of a Monroe St. Brown as a rookie, you know, in those last couple of games, similar to Rashad Penny. And, you know, Marcus, there might be some people, you know, like looking at this, listening to this podcast, like, oh, look who he had. He had Rashad Penny and Amon Ross St. Brown, the two like, <laughs> like best fantasy players in the last, you know, few weeks of last season. But again, he's a guy that I love. And maybe this is just the craziness of, of before draft, but I also, you know, have a Lions player as my number one player. Mm -hmm. Maybe shame on us for investing so much in the Lions, but I think that the talent they have on this team is ridiculous. I understand Jared Goff is the quarterback and no one is going to get excited <laughs> about that. But get excited about Dan Campbell. Get excited about Hard Knocks and the talent that they have on this team. My number one player is DeAndre Swift. Last year, DeAndre Swift was even better than people realized. I mean, he was eighth in snap share. He was third in target share. He was the top five running back, for God's sake, before getting hurt. 
He was amazing in yards created per touch, second in the NFL. He was ridiculous. He was top 10 and sorry, top five in weighted opportunities before he got hurt. He tied with Leonard Fournette for the most targets per game in the NFL. He was eighth in fantasy points per game. And I get that like he had injuries. Like I acknowledge that, but it's not like he tore his Achilles or his ACL or like broke his foot or anything like that. He had a groin strain that he missed no games from. He had a sprained shoulder and he had a concussion last year. None of these are serious injuries that, you know, are, you know, showing that, oh, he's injury prone and he can never make it through a full season. These are games he's only missing you know three or four games at a time and the average running back misses 2.7 games a season this is pretty right on par for any running back and i know all everyone wants is a running back to play a fully healthy season but this is the nfl and this is just kind of the reality that we live in where often they're going to miss one or two games now that we play a 17 game season and that is just part of it but deandre swift as i listed all those stats that you could care less about was just amazing in every important metric to measure fantasy points. And all of that shows that he could be a PPR machine, as we saw so frequently last year. This defense still has not gotten a lot better. They're going to probably be in garbage time a lot once again. And the biggest thing that I want to say as I finish this argument is Jamal Williams was not on the field as much as everyone thinks he was. DeAndre Swift was eighth in snap share. There were seven running backs in the NFL on the field on average more per game than DeAndre Swift. And that includes the game on Thanksgiving where he got hurt on the fourth play of the game. I know Jamal Williams on the field all the time, but people don't realize that anytime I take DeAndre Swift being the seventh or eighth most running back on the field out of anyone any season at all. That is really, really, really good. Once again, he was my flag plant last year. I am still all in on DeAndre Swift. Marcus, am I crazy or am I on something? No, you're not crazy at all. I, I, and I will say this. I I was wrong about DeAndre Swift last year. And the thing that I thought would be his undoing turned out to be his strength. Because I looked at the Lions last year and I said, this team's not going to be very good. Uh, defensively, they're going to give up a lot of points. They're going to be playing from behind. And is DeAndre Swift going to be on the field when they're trailing, when they're going to have to throw the football to come back? And it turns out he was. Um, his target share was a lot, a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. I thought uh, Jamal Williams was going to play a much bigger role in the offense. In fact, Jamal Williams was a guy I was sort of targeting in drafts because I felt like the draft price was right and that he was going to get a lot more opportunities. So all those things that I thought were working against DeAndre Swift last year turned out to work in his favor. Um, so I do think we're going to see a similar similar split in that backfield this year to what we saw last year. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Swift who the last two years, uh, his first two years in the league, has played 13 games apiece. I know that that rookie year, he had that really scary concussion situation where, you know, I, I think Andre uh, or Adrian Peterson and some of his other teammates said he just didn't look right even after he tried to come back. Uh, it, it appears that he's over that, thankfully. You know, he got banged up, as you mentioned, last year. So I think because of that, you're going to see the Lions sort of try to, to, to you know, limit that a little bit. You know, I think you're going to see a little bit more Jamal Williams, but not excessively more. But I think the fact that they have him so integrated into the passing game is going to be big. I think he can sort of be uh, best case scenario. I think he's like Austin Eckler light. Uh, there in Detroit where he can catch the football, he can run the football. Uh, hopefully they can use him maybe near the goal line a little bit more. But I don't think it's crazy to believe that, especially in a world where, you know, the workhorse running back is is damn near extinct now. So, um, you know, you get that guy who gets a majority of the snaps, who is involved in the passing game. I think I think it's hard to to deny something like that. 
Yep, 100% agree. And I'm excited to see what we see from him this season. But Marcus, it's been a wonderful show having you on. But we still have one final question, my favorite question to ask every guest. I know it's early in the season and things can change throughout the draft and everything that is going on. But as of right now, what is your 2021 flag plant, the player that you believe in more than anyone else for this season? So it's a guy we talked about earlier in this show, and that's I think Leonard Fournette has the chance to be a top three fantasy running back this year for all those things I talked about earlier. Right. He is still in what's going to be a very good offense on a very good team. They throw him the football a lot. We know he can run the football effectively. I don't see anybody else there on that roster that's a, a threat to take significant snaps and touches from him in that backfield. I mean, the, the guy that I thought could do it is now in Kansas City. Um, and this is a guy who, as you mentioned, has been incredibly productive. I think you said he was third in points per game uh, last year. I just, th there hasn't been, there haven't been any real significant changes in this Tampa Bay offense. Yes. They, they, you know, Ali Marpet re retired and I think that's going to change the offensive line. Uh, we're still waiting to see uh, whether or not Gronk comes back, but let, I mean, let's keep it real Gronk. You know, the injuries have sort of piled up on him, too. He's not the same blocking tight end. He's still very good, but he's still not the same blocking tight end he was earlier in his career that we saw in New England. But so much is still the same there in Tampa. Um, and I'm like I said, I was baffled why he's he's fallen so far in ADP. Um, and I don't see why he can't repeat as being, you know, certainly a top five. But I think I think he knocks on the door of the top three this year. I love that. I love that. And health is obviously a factor. And again, like I said, 80 plus percent of the games, four of his five seasons, besides that one year, like you said, that he missed half the season. But I'm with you. I love this pick. I think Leonard Fournette is is going to be amazing. It's still going to be a great offense. You know, maybe, you know, Max Kellerman is right. And this is the year that Tom Brady finally falls off a cliff near six years later at this point. But it's like predicting the end of the world. Eventually, you're yeah, be right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's that's just how it is. But I love Leonard Fournette. I love that pick this year. And Marcus, I've loved having you on this show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Before we get out of here, is there anything that you want to plug or anything that you're working on that you want the listeners to know about? Uh, I mean, other than look, we're still doing our, our podcast, myself and Michael F. Florio, the uh, NFL Fantasy Football Pods. You can download that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and just keep an eye out. I will be I will be in Vegas uh, for the draft, at least the first two days. I don't think I'll be there for day three, but I, I plan on being there certainly Thursday uh, and Friday. So just sort of keep an eye on my Twitter account, at Marcus G. Uh, and, uh, you know, there'll be stuff coming out there. Also, I'm on TikTok. I don't think I'm as big a TikTok star as you are, Alex. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's my whole name. It's Marcus Grant. You can find me on TikTok. I do really weird stuff. I, I have a couple of videos that involve like a stuffed Yoda doll and like a T-Rex doll. They're having an argument about Josh Allen. It's weird. Uh, but if you feel so inclined, you can go check that out too. I love that. I love that. Definitely go check that out. Please check them out at the NFL. Is it the NFL Fantasy Podcast? I know I'm getting the name wrong. Uh, the NFL Fantasy Football. So I, I, I admit, I'm not consistent. Sometimes I call it the NFL Fantasy Football Show. Sometimes I call it the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. But if you go to like, you know, Spotify or Stitcher, and you just look up NFL Fantasy Football, uh, chances are it's going to show up. Absolutely. Well, please go check NFL Fantasy Football on Spotify out. Please check out Marcus in all his work at Marcus G on Twitter. Marcus, it's been a pleasure. And for you listeners, it's been a pleasure having you listen to us talk about fake football. As always, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.